0: Welcome to Enneagram Plus Yoga, a podcast for the body, heart, and mind. We have a great episode today that's all about the Enneagram and parenting. And several of you have been asking us to do an episode on parenting. And so here it is. We have Billy Kilgore, who writes for the Washington Post, Scary Mommy, and other online websites about parenting. So we ask him a lot of great questions about parenting and also talk to him about being an Enneagram 4. Also, we chat about the Enneagram 4 and 5 today and their strengths and weaknesses based on their Enneagram type as parents. It's a really fun episode. We laugh a lot on this episode. So we really appreciate you joining us. And uh, we also wanted to share that we are doing a workshop with the Never Perfect podcast. So Beth Capici is the host of the Never Perfect podcast. We've had her on our podcast before. And Enneagram Plus Yoga and Never Perfect podcast are teaming up to offer a workshop on understanding your strengths and weaknesses through the Enneagram. And this workshop will be September 17th at Adele's Crapery on the south side in Chattanooga, Tennessee. So if you live near Chattanooga and want to check this out, you can check out our uh, website for that, which is eventbright.com and just Google the Enneagram in the city of Chattanooga, and it, the, the workshop we're offering will pop up We hope that you'll join us for that. But thank you for joining us for this podcast. All right. Welcome, Billy, to Enneagram Plus Yoga. Um, Billy and I have been friends for 20 years. And Billy writes a lot about parenting for The Washington Post and other online articles. Can you tell our guests a few of the places that you write where they might find your articles? about parenting?
1: Yeah, I've written a handful of articles for the Washington Post. Uh, that's probably the the biggest platform that I've published on. Uh, so you can go there to to read some of my writing. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I published on a website called Motherwell. It's mm-hmm. a, It's a smaller website that, you know, sort of focuses on all issues of parenthood from different angles. And I published a uh essay on my experience getting a vasectomy and
2: <laughs> my husband has got one too yes as a matter of <laughs> fact today we're making sure that it worked he's a uh, doctor as we speak
1: <laughs> yeah and that's a really important part you gotta do oh, the follow-up you gotta
2: do the follow-up <laughs> you have got to make sure everything took right Billy
1: Yes, go to your follow-up appointment. That's very crucial. <laughs>
2: um,
1: yeah, so.
0: And Washington Post and any, anywhere else that they might find some parenting articles.
1: Um, I, I've written some lighter hearted stuff on Scary Mommy. Uh, that's a popular parenting mm-hmm. website. Uh, you can look me up on there. There's a few. Uh, shorter like blog style essays that i've written on there so that's a another site that has several things if you want to check it out
0: awesome so scary mommy mom well and washington post all right well i know you're a great storyteller um and i wanted you to tell me a funny parenting story to like kick things off like in a lighthearted way What's the funny parenting story you have to share with our listeners?
1: Yeah. So earlier this summer, uh, there was an afternoon when I, I wasn't feeling well. So uh, I went to the bedroom and, and laid down for, you know, a five-minute nap. Uh, the kids were downstairs. They were occupied with the movie. So I felt like, you know, I was good to go for a little bit. Uh, So my short, you know, five-minute rest, you know, ended up turning into like a 30-minute nap. And the whole time I was laying there, I wasn't fully asleep. I was, you know, sort of half conscious. And I kept hearing this rustling noise around me. And, you know, I was too tired to, like, pay attention to it. But I figured it was, you know, probably my four-year-old you know, playing in the bedroom, you know, just sort of looking around fiddling with the things on my nightstand. So, you know, I didn't think twice about it. So anyways, you know, a half hour later, when I woke up, I went downstairs to uh, check on the kids, you know, make a make a dinner plan. And, you know, as I was cooking, I realized that there was a bill due that day that I had to pay. Uh, So I started. So I started looking for my wallet, and I couldn't find it anywhere you know I looked all the, the typical places I, I texted my wife I searched the car you know and then I, I questioned the kids and they assured me you know they had not seen it so you know I began to really worry like you know I thought you know somebody has taken it and they're you know <laughs> charging things on my credit card and uh, you know I was really concerned and and the only place I had been that day was uh, the Walgreens and you know i realized i probably dropped it there cuz i'd worn like a really old pair of gym shorts and it would have been easy for the the wallet to fall out of my pocket so so i called cbs you know thinking surely they found it but they said no you know it didn't turn up there and so i thought you know i probably dropped it in the store or in the parking lot and someone you know picked it up and took it and so i got online to turn off my credit cards and turn off my debit cards and sure enough there was like this odd charge on my credit card and I thought oh you know somebody has definitely taken it um so I, I shut down all my cards and I you know I go to that dark place where where I'm like cursing the person who's taking my wallet you know I'm giving up on humanity and <laughs> and people doing good things and uh you know I just get really lost in, in that despair um well the, the next day I you know Realize that it's probably gone. So I order a new wallet, I order a new driver's license, I order, you know, new credit cards and debit cards, all the stuff I need. You know, it was a big like whole morning affair getting all this stuff together. Well, you know, I spent that that week, you know, waiting on stuff to come, you know, in a dark place, just thinking the worst about everything. But finally. <laughs> By
0: the way. By the way, as you listen to this, Billy's an Enneagram four. Cause you're talking <laughs> about
1: this and all <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I was really brooding over my lost wallet, you know? And then a week later, you know, finally like my new wallet comes and I put all the new stuff in it. And you know, the new wallet is shiny, it's nice. You know, I'm really excited about it. You know it's finally kind of getting out of I'm finally getting out of the funk that I was in. So I go put the new all away and I go to the backyard to play with the kids for a while. And then I come back inside and I'm laying on the couch just you know catching my breath before bedtime. And when I finally get the energy up to go uh, do bath time with the kids, you know I sit up on the couch and I spot in the corner of the closet this small brown rectangle. And I'm like, what is that? And so I walk over and I get closer, and I realized that my old wallet was like, was tucked away, hidden in the corner of the closet. And immediately I knew what happened. Like it it flashed through my mind. And I thought about napping upstairs when I was hearing the rustling noise (laughs) around my bed. And so I'm, so I, I marched out to the backyard and you know I showed my wife the old wallet and her her eyes got really wide and then I you know I turned to my four-year-old and I was like did you hide uh, did you hide my wallet from me and you know he didn't say anything he just got this big you know grin on his face and I was like did you take my my wallet and hide it in the closet and you know the the grin got wider and wider and you know, I, I tried to explain to him, like, you know, how, you know why this was so frustrating for me. But, you know, for a four year old, you know, he doesn't understand the importance of a wallet. So he was just kind of staring at me and laughing and looking at his older brother and like celebrating it. And, you know, finally, I just kind of scowled at him and he said, um, tricked you and then just ran off. <laughs> oh, man. But I mean, that's a. Uh, that that felt to me like a, a real parenting story, you know?
2: <laughs> yes. Great story. <laughs> I love this straight from the trenches. I, I think all of us have how Billy, really how old are your kids?
1: I have a, I have two boys. The oldest is an eight-year-old and the youngest is a four-year-old. He's about to turn five.
2: Nice. Fantastic. All right, well, let me ask you um, a question about Enneagram. I know you identify as Enneagram 4, and could you tell us and our listeners a little bit about when you discovered Enneagram and how did figuring out that you are an Enneagram 4 has helped you, let's say specifically in parenting?
1: Well, first of all, I, I discovered the Enneagram, like, Twenty years ago, I shouldn't say discover, but someone shared the Enneagram with me 20 years ago when I was in graduate school. And, you know, I was intrigued by it at the time and, um, you know, read a little bit about it, but, you know, didn't really take a a deep dive into it. You know, it wasn't until much later that I began to actually take the test and read more about being a four. And so it's been kind of a long slow process of learning about it for me Um, but I would say the way it's helped me most is that you know I feel like I grew up in a family where there wasn't any fours or maybe there was a couple but I wasn't around them a lot and so I always felt you know kind of different than my parents and and sibling and you know I also grew up in a more blue-collar working-class community where I felt like fours weren't really valued or kind of invested in, particularly with boys. Um, so I feel like the Enneagram has really helped me to sort of better understand myself and you know kind of not feel so alone. And you know, it, it's pointed me to you know other models of of fours. And, you know, I think it's helped me to identify, um, you know, the fours around me now, you know, that I would want to pursue friendships with. Um, So I I feel like it's really helped with my self-understanding and helped me to understand why I think in my younger days, I kind of felt like an oddball um, and didn't really connect uh, particularly with the boys around me. Although I'm sure there were other boys that were fours, um, but it helps me better understand now why, you know, I didn't really identify with a lot of the other kids around me. Um,
0: Billy, we're going to talk a lot on this episode about parenting. And so can you share with our listeners a little bit more about your parenting values?
1: I think the most important thing to me is, you know, really being present with my kids when I do have time around them, you know, giving them attention. And it's really important to me to make them feel seen. Mm-hmm. And I know that's a, I know that's a four thing. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I'm often thinking about how I can be intentional, you know, and really make them feel seen for who they are. Because um, I don't feel like and, and I know this is sort of a struggle as a of as struggle of fours, especially when they're children is they don't feel like they're seen. so I guess I'm just really sensitive to that. And so I always want to make sure that you know when I see something that's particular to them, whether if it's an interest, a hobby or or whatever they they are doing, to make sure I you know really see it and and kind of make sure they understand that you know I'm interested in it too.
0: So interesting how that ties with your story of not really feeling like people saw you or feeling like you were different, you know, from your family, and um, and that maybe that wasn't affirmed. And and now as a parent, like you're learning from that childhood story and wanting to accept and see your your kids for who they are in their uniqueness and affirm that. And so it's interesting how I think the Enneagram. Can help us to understand our childhood story and then to be intentionally um, aware of it so that we can parent in a different and healthier way. And so I just want to commend you for you know being able to to do things differently because sometimes we repeat the patterns. like sometimes we end up doing the same as our parents did, um but you're trying to to really make sure your parents, your kids are
2: seen. and that's beautiful. Um, Thank you, Billy. Yeah, I love that. I think we all parent out of our own story, essentially. It just, you know, whether you understand what your story is and what Mm -hmm. your motivation is or not. But I think everybody parents out of their own story Mm -hmm. and, then you know, whether you repeat a cycle or you break it. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think parenting, I'm a mother of two children, is the most exhausting thing I have ever done. (laughs) And it's not getting any easier to my uh, huge surprise. I thought also (laughs) the gig is going to be, but it's not. So can you talk to us, Billy, about what are some self-care rituals or things that you perhaps do to kind of ease the burden of parenthood a little bit and just, just take care of yourself to make yourself a more effective parent?
1: Yeah, I feel like that's a a big question right now because I feel like the pandemic really messed up self-care for parents. <laughs> and yeah. you know, I think to some degree we don't know how to do it anymore as parents because we were in survival mode for so long during the pandemic just trying to keep, you know, our heads above water. And I know this is true for myself because, you know, a lot of the creative practices that I do to sort of nourish my soul were, you know, cut off during that time. And so I'm trying to, you know, regain those and carve out my schedule so I can put those back in. And I mean, for me personally, um, quiet time, alone time is super important. You know, that time where I can read and write and recharge my batteries is is essential. (laughs) And I know most parents, you know, really need that alone time too or just time away from their kids but for me it's 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 about you know the silence like i need to be in a quiet space by myself um you know i as much as i love my wife i even need to be <laughs> away from her <laughs> so i can recharge my introverted batteries uh so it's really about the quietness and you know sometimes you know, I can find that quiet space in an art museum too, or at the state park, you know, where I can take a walk through the woods. Um, You know, those are the things as an introvert and as a four that are really crucial to me, you know, not losing my sanity as a parent. Um, You know, I find when I don't have those things, I really turn into my worst parenting self. (laughs) And that's, you know. Those are the moments, uh, you know, I, where I regret <laughs> the things I say to my children or the things that I do. And uh, so, yeah, those those are the things that I have to, to really make sure I work into my schedule.
0: Yeah, and I would say a four or five or nine is most likely to be an introvert. Um, they, they may not be, but they're more likely to be an introvert. And they're more likely to need time alone as a parent. Um, but then, the beauty of the enneagram is the rest of us can learn from the four, five, and nine because all of us need silence. It's a it's a spiritual practice that's going to fill up everybody's cup, and so um, yeah, we can learn from the four and five and nine to cultivate more time alone, being in silence. Uh, but yeah, that's a particular value of a four that they they need to withdraw. They need that time alone. So yeah, and that yeah. and more to give your kids right when you find that mm-hmm. yeah for sure yeah um any parenting tips for our listeners any um uh, these are three things that are uh important in in the world of being a good parent
1: yeah i'm i'm not a big fan of of offering parenting advice and <laughs> Um, you know, there's all kinds of things, you know, we can, you know, help each, help each other with when we become parents, you know, basic things we have to learn, like, you know, installing a car seat or putting a kid down for a nap or, you know, how to manage a tantrum, all those basic things. Um, but beyond that, you know, I'm a big believer that, you know, parenting has to be, you know, learned on the job and it often depends on the personality of your kid and, yeah. Um, you know, I, I, I joke with my friends that, you know, the best parenting book would be like 300 blank pages. And on the first page it would read, uh, you're going to have to figure out this shit yourself, you know, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, yeah. um, you know, no, nothing drives me crazier than when, you know, somebody you know, write, writes a parenting book or gives a parenting lecture. And, you know, they speak with this, you know, authoritative, authoritative tone, um, you know, that suggests that their parenting method is, is the best and, you know, the only one or something, you know, it makes me want to roll my eyes. Uh, so, you know, I, I kind of hesitate to give advice and tips, you know, I feel like I'm I'm more in the camp of you know if if somebody asks you know I'll share my experience and you know share what you know worked for me and my kid and and they can kind of take it or leave it. Um, so I, I guess my tip would be, don't go out and read a bunch of parenting books when you have a baby, <laughs> and, and try to and try to force those methods on your family and, and then feel frustrated when they're not working. You know, I I don't think that's the best approach. I would say, you know, think about, you know, what makes your family life work better. You know, what's best for my kid's personality or their needs. You know, and just start from that that angle of like what's going on in your home and and what Mm -hmm. you need what you need as a family. You know, what serves your best interest because you know often what works for one kid you know just doesn't translate to another kid you know kids are so different especially as small children
0: well and i would say that one of the things from reading your articles about parenting that i i hear as kind of a theme in, in some of the articles is that there's this need for those of us who are parents to be vulnerable about how hard parenting is and that maybe the mm-hmm. bad in itself is that this is like tough you know and it you yeah. know it's most joyful thing but it's the hardest thing at the same time and that we need to share with one another other parents that this is like really really hard like yesterday my daughter isabel is two and she was having a temper tantrum and she grabbed my hair and she held it for like at least three minutes I'm not exaggerating and like it's really really hard you know and I um Mm. just kind of let tried to talk her through that letting her have her feelings um and uh, (laughs) eventually she let my hair go but I mean she's in this stage of temper tantrums and it's not easy right now Um, and I like share those things um with one another actually helps. I mean that feels like a small thing to say but um it it makes us feel I think I think that like you know we can do this when we normalize to one another how hard it can be um, do do you, that is something that you do write about a lot. That's what I see as the outsider looking in, but, um, what comes up for you when I say that?
1: Yeah, I, I, you know, feel strongly about being honesty, about being honest about parenting. Um, and like, like you're saying, you know, being truthful about how hard it is and how much we struggle and often things go wrong um so yeah I think I think that's cool that you heard that as a theme in my yeah. writing in my writing because that's definitely I think where I'm coming from um, you know let's just be upfront about how hard it is and <laughs> you know how many mistakes we make and how uh how frustrating it is to raise human beings <laughs>
0: yeah. Uh, authenticity and honesty of a four I mean that's a that's something I see in a lot of fours is that they're really able to kind of be honest and be authentic about about parenting or whatever it is so
2: yeah um thank you Billy I have a question for you and I know you've uh talked a little bit about your parenting values and how being a four sort of informs how you um approach your children and how you parent your kids, but can you talk a little more about what you think, how you think the knowledge of the Enneagram is helpful for, for parenting?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I think for me, it's helped me to learn my strengths and, Focus on them while parenting. Uh, you know, it's it's helped me to realize that, you know, I'm not the parent who's going to be the president of the PTA or the soccer coach you or
2: know, president of PT Never say never, Billy. They <laughs> might be.
1: <laughs> um, you know, I'm not the wacky science experiment parent. Like, you know, I've sort of discerned that I'm not good at those things but as a four you know I feel like I'm good at you know making like creative spaces for my kids you know I spend a lot of time with them at the table drawing or coloring or you know doing like storytelling stuff and so you know I would say the Enneagram has helped me to you know, not waste energy on things that I I know I'm not good at and to really focus on the things that I feel like I am good at because, you know, my kids can go other places, you know, if if they want to find a great soccer coach or, you know, someone who loves science or whatever, Um, you know, they can go other places to do those things. But, you know, I can focus on my strength and, you know, do creative things with me. Uh, I take them to the art museum in Nashville pretty regularly. We go to the the kids' room at the Frisch Museum, and they get to do all kinds of cool creative stuff there, painting, drawing, um, building, and, you know, after that, I'll take them to the galleries, and, you know, most of the stuff will will bore them because it's, you know, intended for an adult audience, but every once in a while, you know, there'll be a piece of, of art that really captures their attention and you know, they'll have questions about it, want to, want to touch it, which could be, you know, a bad thing, (laughs) but, uh, uh, but yeah, I, you know, I feel like that's the area that I can kind of focus on and do creative stuff with them and, you know, kind of make room for them to make, you know, those creative messes that, you know, lead to interesting things. Oh, that's beautiful. Well,
0: let's actually dive in to looking at sort of the strengths and growing edges of each of the nine types. And we're gonna ask you a question um, that relates to each of the nine types along the way, but we wanted to start with your number your four. And um, I just wanted to say that the thing that comes up for me that's the strength for the four is fours are not superficial. Like they are the type that are gonna be deep, and interpersonal and really connect with the child. And I think that that's a strength, especially as the child's getting older. I mean, your kids are younger right now, but once they get into eight, nine, 10, preteens, teenager years, the, the, the four really knows how to sit down and have like meaningful conversations. They also know how to slow down so that they can be really present. Like that was one of your values that you shared as a parent, it's, it's important for you to be really present with your child. And because the four doesn't race around uh, like the three or the eight or the two and just kind of try to do so much, I think they, um, the child just really knows that they're deeply valued because you know the, the four is often with their child in the present moment having deeper conversations. So, and like you said, they're, they're often very creative. Um, You know, so sitting down and doing art with your kids, taking them to the art museum, Um, but also the four is so good at helping um, their children to be more introspective and to know their feelings and giving them permission to feel their feelings, which I know as your friend, that's like one of your strengths. And we often like say, um, we're going to go have coffee and have girl time, right? Because we like to talk (laughs) about our feelings. no at any gram 2 and in an any 4 like we oh are the God. type that <laughs> y'all meal together we me need to be a fly on that wall <laughs> <laughs>
1: been,
0: like our long running dig for like at least over 10 years that we go and sit and have um girl time to talk about our feelings
2: so yeah. i mean yeah,
0: if you think about like in chinese philosophy the yin and the yang the 2 and the 4 are very like very much yin types they're in touch with their feminine energy they're in touch with their feelings and that's a great thing that you impart as a parent as well um, also the giving kids their permission to be their true self like that authenticity that value is huge for you as a four and you impart that to your kids so lots of strengths um, and we're also going to talk about like how we can grow as parents so for the four um, a four might be careful not to share too many of their emotions, um, negative emotions in particular. And obviously, it's like a great thing that the fours are good at feeling those negative emotions. Um, but sometimes kids who are just learning to develop their own uh, emotional language might feel a little bit overwhelmed by that. Um, and they also might think that they have to start taking care of the four parent. And so Mm -hmm. that's for any fours to be careful of. And uh, one of the things I thought was really interesting when I was thinking about uh, parenting, I was thinking about the talk style for each number and how that influences parenting and the talk style for the four is lamentation. Um, Or we might like from Saturday Night Live, call it Debbie Downer stories, like that's, that's the talk style. And so the The fours have to be a little bit careful with that talk style because they want their kids to have like that equanimity between positive and negative emotions. And if they're talking too much about the hardships of life and the pain of life, um, that can, again, that can overwhelm a child. So also fours have trouble with conformity and um, they want to be unique and different. But sometimes as a child is developing, it can be important for them to find a sense of community and belonging. And so for the four to kind of allow for that um, can Mm -hmm. be well. Um, But Billy, do you have any other thoughts about what Enneagram fours uh, your type might struggle with as a parent or even things that are your strengths? Yeah, I
1: think I think one of the biggest struggles for me as a four and as a parent is uh, my sensitivity. Mm-hmm. You know sensitivity can be a real gift, um, a real you know blessing, um, but it can also go you know the other way and be a real challenge and And as a parent, you know it's become a real challenge for me because you know I'm very sensitive to the the feedback or the criticism that you know people give me about my children and you know i'm really having to work on you know taking a deep breath and and hearing that information and not feeling like it's a reflection on my worth as a person and you know really going off the deep end (laughs) when i when i feel that Uh, I should probably back up and say that, you know, I'm raising uh, two little boys right now, and they are very high energy children. You know, they bounce off the walls from the time they wake up until the time they go to sleep. And, you know, they're both really intense and, you know, one of them is aggressive and you know, I'll be the first to admit that they are wild. <laughs> um, you know, and they're pro- and they're as prone to bad behavior as any other kid. Um, so because of their personalities, you know, we've gotten a lot of feedback from, from teachers and, you know, camp counselors and, and other, you know, adult authority figures in their lives. And um, it's been a real challenge for me not to, um, you know, take that feedback and just kind of go off the deep end with it and spiral into, you know, worst case scenarios where I'm thinking about, you know, oh my gosh, my, my kid is going to get kicked out of the the pre-K program, you know, (laughs) you know, I, I just hear that stuff and go off the deep end with it. Whereas my wife, like, she's really good at, you know, taking it in stride, you know, keeping perspective and just dealing with it, you know, like she, she really has a knack for it, but I'm, you know, I'm really having to kind of keep my sensitivity in check as a four and, uh, realize that, you know, most of the time the teacher is just giving me information to help improve my kid's behavior in the classroom. And, you know, she's not, you know, warning me that, you know, my kid is going to be kicked out of the pre-K program, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, so, yeah, it, it, it's, a, it's almost a, a funny combination because I'm a really sensitive parent that has a hard time dealing with, um, you know, the negative feedback I get about my kids. Uh, you know, that, that's me. And I've, I've been blessed with some really wild children. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, it's a, cha- it's a challenging combination.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think for a four, because they feel so deeply and sensitivity is like, if we had to name 10 characteristics of the four, sensitivity would be one of those top 10 characteristics. But one of the things is that that turns into deep feelings. When, when a four feels sensitive, if, if a four is not careful, it can turn into fear, which I heard you name. It can turn into anger. It can turn into sadness. It can just turn into any of those deep emotions. And so Mm -hmm. notice and being aware of that can help you to like kind of take a step back from that um and try Mm -hmm. to and and not take things so personally
2: so yeah that's thank you for sharing that thank you billy billy out of curiosity what enneagram number is your wife
1: she's a number one (laughs)
2: <laughs> i'm a number one
1: oh, okay <laughs> yeah.
2: all right well speaking of curiosity i want to move on to our enneagram five parents and some of the strengths of the enneagram five parent would be that they truly appreciate and nurture curiosity in their children and i think we all can agree that uh, curiosity is what helps our children grow and develop and learn and all of the greatest things in life also five would um probably be the best teacher of love of learning and um teach their children how to learn and how to enjoy it and how to remain focused on something and i think that's really a great quality to have especially nowadays when we live in a culture where we're so scattered all the time, we're so distracted all the time, everything is pulling at us 100% of the time, and children are not immune to that themselves and seeing us as parents. So just to see that steady, calm, focused presence as a parent, I think is, is a gift of being a five-parent, uh, letting mm-hmm. the parents see that. Um, I also think the fives would be a great parent um, for like a downtime with their kids. And, you know, I think we've all grown up with friends whom we loved going to their house because their house was so chill mm-hmm. and just so calming. And it wasn't a shit show all the time or it wasn't <laughs> <a> it? <serious laughs> <show. laughs> oh, can I please go to Sarah's house because it is like a spa for my brain there? <laughs> It, that would be a five-parent kind of house. So to offer their children, I think is a beautiful, beautiful gift. Now, moving to some growing edges for five, you know, like Billy has mentioned, a a a lot of a too much of a good thing can shift into a not so good thing. So ultra focusing, being ultra sensitive and aware, and focused on academics, on IQ, on growing. Um, their children's mind sometimes um, would sort of miss an opportunity for that kind of parent to grow their body intelligence and their emotional IQ, et cetera, um, because all three are important. And um, five might have difficult time, and I can relate to that as one, a lot of emotion, which, you know, we we, we all can agree, little children big children, everybody has emotions. And sometimes bigger the emotions, more discomfort a five may feel as a parent. I know I struggle with that as a one. Big ups and big downs are kind of, you know, a five may um, not know how to handle it, how to address it. And their response to it may be withdrawal, which could be not a a a great response, especially if a child is experiencing a big emotion, whether it's high or low. So that could be something if I could work on not, not going into withdrawal mode, but sort of seeing that pattern and making sure they're staying present. Also, um, five could um be prone to kind of staying in and being a homebody and kind of like like sit back and read a book kind of parents instead of saying let's go for a walk let's go to a playground let's go to a museum let's go visit a zoo let's go to this party uh because it's not their strong suit therefore they might you know lead their children into down that path as well and we all know wild children and semi-wild children, they all love them some playground time and some party time and whatever time. So if mm-hmm. I may struggle with that a little bit. And to Christie's point, as far as um, the, the, the talking style, no one loves to be lectured, which is a talking style of a five. And I think number one category who hates being lectured are them children. Mm-hmm. So just to kind of know, and when you get into that, lecture mode that probably the attention span would shut down and it's just going to be into one ear out of the other so finding a different talking style to get through to get your point across would be something for five to work on but billy my question to you is what are some ways that you mentioned it before that one of your gifts is you um, are present with your kids what are some ways a parent can be present with their children good bad fun not
1: fun loud quiet how how do you stay present yeah the first thing i would say is to you know put the cell phone away <laughs> you know i'm i'm guilty of that you know i'm a social media addict so you know just the basic thing is you know to put the the cell phone away and you know i feel like i can speak to my experience with small children, you know, I'm curious how a parent of teenagers or tweens, you know, would answer this question, but I know with small kids, um, you know, I usually show them, show them attention by, you know, jumping into whatever activity they're doing, you know, and doing it with them and letting the conversation and questions kind of come up from that. And that, you know, really makes them feel, like they're getting attention i think um you know if you sort of stand by the side and ask little kids questions and you know try to interview them like you know they don't even give you the time of the day but if you you know really play alongside them you know they really get excited and, and light up and uh i know with my kids you know they're four and eight like they seem to really respond well to that um but I, but I know it's a different game when you're dealing with teenagers and tweens. So you know, I'd be curious to hear what a parent would say about giving attention uh, to that age group. Um, yeah, what what do y'all think?
2: I got almost a sixteen-year-old. I mean, here's here's what I'll tell you: it's what what the climate is with phones and social media and um, just wide wide web is now it is completely different when she was eight years old and i think it will be completely different in eight more years and so on and so forth so i would say you know for a parent with a small children buckle up and, <laughs> you know because it is going to rock your world and for them it's just going to be normal uh mm. but your point You have to, no matter how old they are, uh, practice what you preach. If you're harping on them not to be on their phone for 10 hours a day, don't be on your damn phone for 10 hours a day. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. that is, you, you know, you can't tell them to eat broccoli and then eat a pepperoni pizza. Well, you know, like we all got to do this, this hard thing. And, and that's mm. the only way it will work. But also I think with teenagers, it is such an intricate dance of being present. You know, like, have you ever seen a wild deer and it's unexpected and you're not in the car driving, you're like, oh shit, what do I do? Do I like move away? Do I stay still? Like, how does it come closer to me? And I think Mm as a teenager, you have to figure that out. Like, how do I get them closer without spooking them off? And that is you you know, giving them space, but then not too much space. And I'm a big fan of asking questions. and you know, I always I'm from Russia, so I always tell my my kid like, I will anal probe you if I have to I mean, <laughs> after that, after that, because
1: for
2: me is number one. You know, that's my that's me being present in her life and knowing what's up, what's what's not up, et cetera, et cetera. But who am I to tell y'all? Y'all figure it out. There's no rule book. It's you know, to your point, Billy, I always say, um, I'm gonna write a book, shit no one told me about, Mm -hmm. and be a child for parenting. Because there's so many things that completely blew me away, like shocking to me and it like why would no one tell you ahead of time <laughs> that parenting a teenager is going to be the hardest parenting time you would ever experience like no one talks about it everybody talks about naps body training and you know temper tantrums no one says a damn word about the teenager how it's like their head would turn they turn 12 the head would rotate and they would be a completely different individual that you've heard <laughs> <Seriously>. <laughs> <Not one
1: person.
2: laughs> so anyway things like that <laughs> yeah so- that we we've covered the five and then dropped some some wisdom on on the parenting skills on that but Christy, yeah I'll let you oh yeah. yeah
0: and I was just gonna say to go along with what you were saying about playing I mean I think there's a reason that with young children that play therapy is the way that therapists work with young children that is the way that you get to draw closer to them and right now my daughter's two Um, she'll be three later this year Uh, but she, her favorite question is, mommy, do you want to come play with me? Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, that's Mm -hmm. what she says more often than any other question. Um, That is how I think kids feel seen and how you create attachment and a bond when they're really young. So like, I definitely agree that with when you're talking about young children, man, play is imperative. Um, After this word from our sponsor, I'll lead us in a brief meditation. this meditation let's start with one hand at our heart center and the other hand holding the hand holding our heart and then find a breath in and a big breath out and hear this message you are wanted and then again find a breath in and a breath out you are loved for who you are, and then find a breath in and a breath out, you are seen for who you are, and then bring prayer hands where your thumbs touch your forehead and your hands are in prayer, and then find a breath in and a breath out. Your needs are not a problem. A breath in and a breath out. You are safe. A breath in and a breath out. You will be taken care of. And then bring your palms to touch your stomach. Find a breath in. And a breath out. You will not be betrayed. A breath in. A breath out. Your presence matters. A breath in. A breath out. You are good. And we need all of those messages now as adults. We needed all of those messages as children. And if we have children, our kids need to hear these messages. And as your hands are still at your stomach, just know that the Enneagram is inviting us to move into our bodies and into our intuition. And as you hold your stomach Just inviting that intention of staying connected to your intuition and your body. And then bring prayer hands back to your forehead where the thumbs touch your forehead. And set an intention to stay connected to your thinking self. And then bring your hands to your heart space and set an intention to stay connected to your heart to your feelings i know that the light in me sees and honors the light in each and you one big breath in finding an inhale and one big breath out namaste